Oh God, hallelujah, hallelujah indeed. Here in the presence of the living and risen Christ, we worship you and receive your word of hope to us this day through him. Amen. Newsweek magazine released a poll this week that startled me. I wasn't sure the number was right. Listen to this. 78% of Americans believe Jesus rose from the dead. Wow, 78%. I'd say a rather receptive climate in which to have our passion play today and tomorrow, wouldn't you say? And by the way, by receptive climate, I'm not talking about the weather either. 78%. Would you be among those 78%? Would you? How was it when you were a child, in your childhood? Were you fascinated by death? Perhaps uh, fascinated is not the right word to use. Were Were you intrigued by it? Were you troubled by death as a kid growing up? Were you frightened? Growing up in Japan, it seemed like we were running into death all the time. Japanese authorities, in order to impress upon the public the need for traffic safety and careful driving, in a macabre sort of way, would leave traffic fatalities crumpled on the pavement without a sheet so that all who passed, so that we would see. My dad was a preacher. And so we went to Bible camps. The very first death I can remember was at a summer Bible camp beside a lake. Somehow nobody saw the boy slip under the blue-green water and not come back up. By the time he was missed, it was too late. Back then they used uh, grappling hooks to search for the victims of drowning. And I will never forget that terrible vision of mottled gray skin, lake water dripping in lifeless pools beside the still form of a boy not much older than me. You have your death stories too, I know. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. They say postmoderns are fascinated with death and death stories. I read in an e-magazine entitled Relevant, I read a piece by Mark T. Newman, who teaches at Palomar College in Southern California. The title of his essay, Freddie and Jason, The Slayers of Postmodernism. Let me put a few sentences on the screen for you to read along. At first blush, he writes... It would seem that modern slasher films are a cinematic outworking of postmodern thought. These films are populated by a group of youthful characters whose lives revolve around the experiential, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. They uniformly reject authority, especially parents and the police, cultural icons of received truth. Now listen, young adults see themselves on the screen in horror films. It's as if they're saying, we feel powerless and are actually distrustful of adults and authority figures. 
We're adrift because no one has provided a moral anchor in a sea of relativism created by adults. And we are seeking something solid. We find it in death. Wow. The juxtaposition of those two lines. We are seeking something solid and we find it in death. We all have our death stories, don't we? For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. And have you noticed that death stories are what are preoccupying the press right now in this week of the Passion? You think about it. The death watch of Terry Schiavo now without her feeding tube. The death watch of Pope Bach, John Paul II, day by day, slowly dying before the cameras of the world. A troubled 16-year-old gunman in Red Lake, Minnesota, 10 dead. Iraq's U.S. flag-draped coffins we are not allowed to see. Easter, 2005. And one more death story of an empty tomb in Palestine. Open your Bible with me, please, to the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6, because we all have our death story. So here is a death story for us all. Romans chapter 6. I'll be in the New International Version. If you didn't bring a Bible on this Passion Weekend, there's a Bible in front of you. The New King James. Take it out. It'll be page 760. This verse, Romans chapter 6. Let me read again in your hearing, and you can follow along. Verse 9. Romans 6, verse 9. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. Did you get that? Let me read that again. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. I love the way Eugene Peterson in his The Message translation renders that last line. Never again will death have the last word. Whew. Not a bad word for a death-ridden culture, is it? Because we all have our death stories. Postmoderns and moderns alike. All of us. We've lived with them far too long already. I tell you what, you take a walk sometime this weekend through our little Rose Hill Cemetery and you will see the truth. Far too many stories. Far too long. But if the truth were known, and it is, it is not only the stories of the death of the body that we grieve in this culture. We also, as a culture, grieve over the death of the heart. Moral dying and death that we can, with fear, trace in the life of one we love. And not just them, us. This, this numinous spiritual death inside of us. We awaken in the middle of a black night certain that something deep within is slowly dying. The words of the English poet John Donne in his holy son, it's death, be not proud. Oh no, we are, we are not proud. Nope. 
We all live with our all too common death stories, do we not? And sometimes we even weep openly, unashamedly in front of each other, do we not? There's been crying on both ends of the telephone of late with my dear mother and my sister. Death, be not proud. What's to be proud of when we all have our death stories? Moral and physical death. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. The original language actually reads this way. Death no longer lords it over Him. I like that. Would to God that that were true about you and me as well. Hmm? Wouldn't it be something if it would read, Death no longer lords it over us either. But then could it be, ladies and gentlemen, that that is precisely what the Apostle is trying to drive home to our worshiping hearts this Passion Weekend. That death no longer need lord it over us either. When it's this cold out, how could you be happy? What's Paul talking about here in verse 9? Ah, oh, go back to verse 8. Let's read verse 8. Verse 8, now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. What's going on here, Paul? Still don't understand. Oh, you've got to go back earlier. You missed it. Go back. Let's go back up to verse 3. Paul, the apostle, speaking to us. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus, listen now, were baptized into His death, question mark. Don't you know that? Verse 4, we were Therefore, buried with Him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. I don't understand you, Paul writes. What's the problem? Here you are bemoaning your pitiable and pitiful death stories, living as if you were entombed in a no-exit grave. Weeping over your failings, wailing over your powerlessness. You've forgotten, haven't you? You do not remember, do you, that when you were baptized, don't you know? Don't you know that when you were baptized, you were actually baptized not only into Jesus' death, but you were baptized when you rose into His resurrection as well. You have forgotten, haven't you? That when you came up out of that watery grave, you were endowed with His resurrection life for the rest of your life. You forgot all this sighing and crying about all the death stories we have to live with. Don't you remember your baptism? The apostle asks. Boy, that's an embarrassing question, isn't it? I mean, come on, come on, come on. Be honest with me now. When was the last time you ever thought about your baptism? Hmm? Come on, when was, the, when was the last time you ever thought about your baptism? Some of you are saying, but, but, but uh, Pastor, I, I don't have any memory at all. I've never been baptized. Whoa, you have, you must, you must be given that memory. You must not leave that out of your life. Okay, let's just do this. All right. Raise your hand. Don't, don't be embarrassed. How many here have been baptized? Be proud of it. Raise your hand. How many here have been baptized? I'm holding my hand up, baptized at the age of 13 by my dad in Tokyo, Japan. But how often have I? Come on. How often have you? How often have we forgotten the compelling truth of the empty tomb? We forget. 
And that is in our baptism. Through our baptism, we not only died in Christ, but through the same baptism, we were also resurrected with Christ so that for us, Easter began. Easter took place. The day we came dripping up out of that watery grave. That was our Easter. We have forgotten that at that moment, the same glory of the Eternal Father unleashed for our availability the unbridled power of the resurrected Christ. We have been dragging through life unmindful. We've had a gift from the very first day of our baptism. We forgot. What's the problem with you, Paul says? Have you forgotten? We have. We have forgotten terribly. Forgotten that we were buried as wet and dead as that Japanese lad. And we were raised as glorious and empowered as our resurrected Lord. And from that day to this, whether we have made ourselves available of it or not taken avail of it, that power, vibrant, supernatural, unbridled power has been within the touching of our hearts. I like how the New King James ends verse 4 here. In the New King James it says, Therefore, let us, how's it go? Let us walk in the newness of life. You want to know how to walk in the newness of life? You want to live with that unbridled power for the rest of your life and never be the same again? Don't miss next Sabbath. The secret is here in this chapter. Verse 9, read it again. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, He cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over Him. Never again. The message, never again will death, moral death or physical death, have the last word. Then who will? Who will have the last word? I think I know. I think I saw him have the last word a week ago, Thursday. I saw him do it. I got word on that Thursday that Peter Forshee, my mother's cousin, was in the hospital and, and not doing well at all. He had had surgery the day before and had not regained consciousness. So I hurried to the hospital where his wife, Joanne, and their two young adult children, Annette and Charles were about his bed. And I bent down when I came into that hospital room up here at Lakeland. I bent down to talk into Peter's ear. He was breathing firmly, but his eyes were closed. And they keep telling me that even in an unconscious state, the patient can sometimes still hear. Have they told you that as well? Yeah, so, so I, I greeted him and told him that I was here and that we would, we would be visiting together for a moment. And we did. About 20 minutes. During which nurses came and went. At the end of our visit, we, we gathered back around uh, Peter's bed. I wanted to share a Bible promise with him and have a prayer for him. And so I leaned over and told him that we were going to read John fourteen twenty seven for him. I had my little pocket King James Bible. And so down near Peter's ear, the words of Jesus on the eve of his own death, by the way, John fourteen twenty seven. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. All right, Peter, I'm going to hold your hand now. 
And we're all going to hold hands around your bed and I'm going to pray for you. And so we did. I began to pray. I don't remember what I prayed, except I remember saying something in the prayer, something to the effect, oh God, you know, Peter is now where only you and he can commune. Please, dear God, in the quiet of his soul, assure Peter that Jesus has taken care of it all. 2,000 years ago, Peter's sins were all forgiven. 2,000 years ago, Peter was justified. Let Peter know he has peace now. Dear Father, and as I continued in prayer, I noticed that the room got quieter. Very quiet. And so I opened my eye. It's okay. I opened my eye and I looked down at Peter and he was sound asleep. I could hear no sound. And out of the corner of that open eye, I saw a nurse standing in the doorway. I glanced at her and then closed my eyes. <laughs> and finished my prayer. After I said, Amen, Joanne, Peter's wife, looked over and whispered, Is he breathing? The nurse walked up to Peter's side and felt for his pulse. And when she looked up at the clock, I knew. While we had been holding hands together in prayer, death walked into that room. But when death came in. Death discovered somebody had come ahead of him. Life. The Lord of life. And when death saw life in the room, death could only take Peter's breath and not his soul. Hallelujah. O oh, death, be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful. For thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkest thou dost overthrow, die not, poor death. Nor yet canst thou kill me from rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be much pleasure. Then from thee much more must flow, and soonest our best men with thee do go. Rest of their bones and soul's delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dust with poison, war, and sickness dwell. And poppy or charms can make us sleep as well, and better than thy stroke. Why swellest thou then one short sleep past? We wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death, thou shalt die. For we know... That since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Never again will death have the last word. What do you say? Let's pray. O oh, living Christ, thank you, thank you, thank you.
Thank you. Because you live, never again will moral death or physical death have the last word. Because you live, you will have the last word. And surely that is the best word this resurrection weekend can bring. Amen. Oh, you're finding in your hymnal. Hymn 526, the beautiful confession of hope. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. While you're finding that, I want to say a word to those of you who, li- who are listening right now. And you're saying, I haven't been baptized. I-, I want to say a word to you. You know what? Your life, your life will never be complete unless you take that last step and follow Jesus in baptism. I'm not going to give an altar call. But here's what I'd like to do. In your worship bulletin this morning, there is a blank piece of paper. Would you take that piece of paper out? And if you have not been baptized, I'm going to be standing at that door right after we sing this hymn. I'll be standing there. Just give me that piece of paper. Write on it your name and the contact information, how I can be in touch with you. I want to help you. You've got to let that now be the final crowning chapter in your journey with Jesus. I'll be at that door. And now may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep. May He equip you with everything good for doing His will and may He work in us what is pleasing to Him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.